All right, so this is our weekly Mimer class. We learn a Mimer. Uh, we're starting a new Mimer, Hasidic discourse. It's called Al Kain Koru. Therefore, they called. They called what? They called these days Purim. It's a Purim Mimer. It was delivered by the Rebbe on Purim, Tavshin Yud Gimel, 1953. In fact, it was the second. Mimer of that Fabrengen, and I believe historically it was the first time ever that Rebbe said to Maimarim in one Fabrengen. Uh, it's also famous as the famous uh, Hura Purim, if you know that story. The Rebbe told a story about a Chassid back in Russia who was told to go vote, and he didn't know anything about voting, but the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, said that everyone should vote. So this is back in Tsarist Russia, before the revolution, and he went to go vote. And as he was coming out, the people at the polling place were having a rally, and they were saying, hurrah, which is, you know, hooray. But he heard it as hurrah, the Hebrew words, hurrah, he is evil. He thought they were saying, hurrah. So they were saying somebody's evil. Maybe they're one of the guys who's running for, for office, hurrah. So he just started cheering, hurrah, hurrah, he is evil. And then the Rebbe started leading this chant in the middle of the Fabrengen, hoorah, hoorah. And everybody sort of got this concept like, all right, let's cheer hoorah. We don't know what we're cheering about, but it seems like something important's happening right now. And then after Purim, they found out that Stalin died. So that was the famous hoorah incident. At any rate, here is the mimer. It is the second mimer of the Fabrengen. Al Kain Koru. Okay. Al Kain Koru la Yomim Hoele Purim Al Shim Hapur. The verse says, the verse from Megillus Esther. Show me that you're with me. Tell me which chapter and verse of Megillus Esther is that Pasuk. Not moving on until somebody does it. What? Well, it is toward, that's a very good deduction. It is toward the end because by that time they're already naming the Yomt. Right. Tell me chapter and verse right now. We're not moving forward. Okay, okay so nine. thank you. Chapter 9, verse nine, 26. Very good. How did you do that? It's in the footnote. That's all I wanted. I just want to make sure that you're looking in the text and that you're aware of the footnotes. This was Alderich, Waiter, Taste My Soup. You know Waiter, Taste My Soup? No. Waiter, Taste My Soup. Sir, is there a problem with your soup? I don't know. Just taste my soup. Could we, we could get you a new soup, but there's a problem with the soup. Waiter, just taste my soup. Sir, I mean, did, did we not get you the soup that you ordered? We could get you a new soup. Waiter, taste my soup. Okay, fine. Where's the spoon? Aha! <laughs> so, basically, I, I, yeah, taste my soup. Where's the spoon? Aha. Okay, so I'm, when I say to you, what, what chapter and verse is that verse? So that means... Do you have the PDF? Are you looking at the footnotes? That's the spoon. The text is the spoon. All right. So yes, it is Esther 9.26. The goal here is to learn this mimer in time to complete it before Purim, so we could actually have a real Chassidisha Purim. So when we go to Kriyasa Megillah, we'll know what we're living. We'll know what is actually happening. It'll be a whole new Purim. Not because uh, we got fancy shalachmanis with uh, charcuterie boards. 
but because we learned a mimer and we understand it. Okay. And therefore, they called the, these days Purim after the Pur, which is the lottery. And it is known that the name of everything indicates its essence. Sounds familiar, by the way, for those who learned Boselagani Tavshin Mem Dalid with us, the previous Mime that we just learned. And it's a common concept. Really, where's the source? Oh, show off, show me, impress me. Where is the source of this concept that the name of everything is its essence? Where's the original source? Okay, okay, I'll accept that. Yes, it is a medrash about Adam Rishon naming the animals. I mean the source in Chassidus. Shari Yuchad meaning the second volume of Tanya. Perek Aleph. That's where it explains, chapter 1, that's where it explains that Hashem enlivens the world and gives it its existence through the 22 letters of speech. He speaks the world into being. So the name of everything indicates its essence. Names are not just arbitrary. Hmm? What are you saying? Oh, it says it in the footnote? Oh, okay, so you could have used the footnote. Okay. So the name of something is very significant. So we have this yomtiv that is called lottery. You don't think about it, you just call it Purim. You don't think what it means, you just call it Purim. You don't think it's called lottery. The lottery was the instrument or the attempted instrument of destruction. This was Haman's final solution. We're naming the Yomtev after the attempted tool of eradication of the Jewish people. I, I mean, I know it all turned out well in the end, Baruch Hashem, but <coughs> the lottery was an attempt, and we're going to learn more about it in the Mimer, why specifically Haman settled on this, but um, it was an attempt to bring about the destruction of the Jews. So we know that the name of something is significant. So it seems that the main concept of the Yomtev is the Goyrol. Goyrol is lottery. Pur is the word, the Persian word that the verse uses. And it tells actually, actually the, the, the Megillah tells us that a Pur is a Goyrol. Goyrol is a more biblical word. Like when they divided the land, I think in Parshas Pinchas it talks about when they divided the land according to tribes, they used a geirol. Geirol is the mm-hmm. yeah, biblical word for a lottery. So we have to understand, and the Rebbe says this is not his original question, this is also asked in Torah Eir, which means my modem of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. Seemingly, this is not the main miracle. The, the lottery, the fact that the lottery came out on a month that happened to work in our favor, yeah, that's, that was part of the story, but that's not the main story. <laughs> and in addition, not only was Haman's um, lottery not part of the miracle, or not the main miracle, but to the contrary, one could say, was part of the gzeda, the, like I said, it was one of the instruments of his destruction, or the destruction that he wanted to bring upon the Jewish people. 
So it was like actually part of the bad thing. Like the Megillah actually says, he cast a poor, a lot, to annihilate and destroy them. In other words, what was the purpose of the lottery? To annihilate and to destroy. So, naming the Yomtev after this lottery evokes something negative. It's part of the, the scary part of the story. But the fact that they named the Yom Tov after the lottery indicates that the lottery is somehow the main part of the miracle. In fact, that the miracle itself should be called by the name of the lottery. The lottery should, be, should evoke basically the whole concept of the, the miracle itself. Now, seemingly you could answer like this. Now, everybody knows when we say seemingly you could answer like this, we mean it's an answer, but it's not going to be our ultimate answer. We're not going to be satisfied with this answer. Okay, we're bringing up the answer in order to not dismiss it because it's not a wrong answer, but it's just like it's not deep enough for us. Okay, so seemingly you could try to answer like this. And it's an answer based on the Gemara. Where? Which Gemara, by the way? Everyone here is a Bucky Bashas. Which Gemara? Megillah. Megillah, very good. Remember which Daf? 13B. 13B, very good. Very good. You remember it from Daf Yemi, Mistama. Okay. Very good. Do Hasidish women learn Gemara? Every day, sure. Main thing is Rambam. You're learning Rambam every day? No. Sefer Mitzvahs. At least, do you look at the Sefer Mitzvahs? Like you at least see when I post the Sefer Mitzvahs? Okay, so you're aware that it exists. Okay, okay. When the lot fell on the month of Ador, Homin was very happy. What was the lottery, by the way? What was he choosing? He was choosing the month for the annihilation. So, Ador came up as the month, and he was very happy. Amr. The lottery came out on the month in which Moshe passed away. So he was happy about that because he figured, well, something so devastating like the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu is not a good thing for the Jews, so it's a month where harm can befall the Jews. Great, that's working in my favor, said Haman. But he did not know. That on the seventh of Adar, Moshe passed away. But on the seventh of Adar, he was born. Because we know that Moshe Rabbeinu lived exactly 120 years. He passed away on his 120th birthday. So it was not just his yard site, it was also his birthday. And according to this, it's possible to say, The reason we're naming the whole Yom Tov after the lottery is why, because the, the whole miracle is that the, that the lottery came out in this month, the month in which Moshe, the Savior of the Jews, was born. So maybe that's the answer. That the, the whole Yom Tov is called Purim because the Pur, the lottery, came out in the month when Moshe was born. Avol 
עדיין צריך עיון. But this explanation still requires further in investigation, clarification. Like I said, it's, it's okay, but it's not enough. כי מזה שהיים טוב נקרא פורם על שם הפור, because the fact that the יום טוב is called פורם, being named after the פור, the, the lottery, משמע, that implies not just that this incidental thing that the lottery happened to come out in the month that happened to be a good month for us. The fact that the, the, the whole Yom Tov is named Purim implies, no, no, it's the, the lottery itself. Not this side point, this incidental point that the lottery happened to come out in a way that worked in our favor. Naming the Yom Tov Purim implies the lottery itself. Forget about any other details. Just the fact that there was a lottery, this itself is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that there was a lottery. Forget about the outcome. Forget about how it happened to work out that it was a good month, not a bad month. Haman thought it was a bad month for us. It was really a good month. The fact that we're naming it Purim means what we're celebrating is the lottery itself. It implies that the main miracle was that there was a lottery. That the whole concept of a lottery is this lofty concept. Which enabled the miracle to occur. And the fact that the lottery happened to fall out in a month it's a good month because that's the birthday month of Moshe, the savior of the Jews. But that was a, a teitzah. Teitzah means an, an, an outcome. Purim al shema pur. But the main thing was Purim is lottery. So this is what we're, that's the end of chapter one. So this is what, what we're trying to understand. The Yom Tov is named lottery. That must mean that there's something about lottery. Not the outcome of the lottery, but the lottery itself, that this is the idea that is celebrated on Purim. Not even a side idea, it's also an idea. It's remember on Purim to also remember the lottery. No, no. This is the Yom Tov boiled down to its essence. What are we celebrating? Lottery. Okay, then I would like to know what lottery is because it's not clicking for me. Why you're telling me this whole Yom Tiv is the celebration of the concept of lottery. That's it. Okay, got the question? Okay. Chapter 2. V'yuvan We're going to understand this according to that which is explained in Teira Oyer. I told you earlier, Teira Oyer is a book of my modem of the Alter Rebbe. That Purim and Yem HaKippurim, Yem Kippur, are related to each other. The Pirish Yem Kippurim, Yem Kippurim, okay, let's break it down here. Kippurim is a plural word, which means atonements. The root, yeah, Chof Peiresh, Chaper, is atonement. So Yem Kippurim is the Day of Atonement. But there's another way of reading it where you take the Chaf and you read it as a prefix, not as part of the root, 
but as a prefix, the prefix chof is called a chof hadimyon, which indicates like or as. So there's an alternative reading. Yem Kippurim means Day of Atonement, plural, which is the biblical name of Yem Kippur. Or you could read it, Yem, a day, kid that's like Purim. A day that's like Purim. Who kamei Purim, it's like Purim. It's Purim ask. Yem Kippur is Purim ask. V'yaseidim and even more than that, the fact that we're saying that Yem Kippur is like Purim, merely like Purim, that indicates that Purim is higher than Yem Kippur. Because which one's being compared to which? Yem Kippur is like Purim. It emulates, it imitates Purim. Now yes, I know, you're going to say Yem Kippur is biblical. Purim is rabbinic. Chronologically, how can the one that came first emulate the one that came later? Okay, I, I, I'm not here to answer all these questions right now. I'm just telling you what it says in Taita Ar, or what the Rebbe says it says in Taita Ar, that Yim Kippurim means that Yim Kippur is a day that is like a glimmer of Purim. Like the real thing is Purim, but Yim Kippur is a pretty close second <laughs> to Purim. Now, let's talk about the relationship between Yim Kippur and Purim. One of the things that is similar, they both have lotteries. Oh, lottery, lottery. I'm interested to know more about lottery. Okay. They both have lotteries. Hasi'irim. And Yim Kippur, they made a lottery between the two goats. You know about the lottery between the two goats, right? So they had one goat that ended up being the scapegoat. They brought it out to the cliff. And the other goat was offered as a sin offering in the Beis HaMikdash. It's a whole thing with the Kain Gadol. I mean, we read it on Yim Kippur in the Avedah, the, how you take, uh, there would be a box with two uh, little cards in it, and he would draw out one card. And Purim, obviously, is related to a lottery, because, like we said, the name Purim is Pur, which is lottery, which is Haman's lottery. So that's one thing. They both have a lottery in them. And another concept here about their relationship. They're both higher than Hashem's name. Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke. They're both higher than Yudke Vavke. Okay. You know there are different Shemais, different names of Hashem. Shem Havaya is called Shem Ha'etzim. It's the main name. It's the principal name of Hashem. We know that it in- indicates Hoya Hoiva Ve'yir. Right, the four letters of Yudke Vovke indicate past, present, and future simultaneously because it is the transcendent essence of God which cannot be contained within finite time-space. 
Sometimes we describe it as the very framework for all of creation, that the four letters correspond to the four worlds, Atzila, Spriya, Yitzira, Asiya. Think of it like this, Havaya is the framework for reality. And if you say something's higher than the name Havaya, then it's higher than reality as we know it. It's some level of godliness that's beyond God's relationship with creation. Right? God is infinite, so, you know, he does extend past having a relationship with creation, right? So when we say something's higher than Havaya, we mean not only does Hashem transcend creation, but there's an essence of Hashem that transcends his transcendence of creation. You're following. Don't pretend you don't follow. Regarding Yom Kippur, the Pasuk says, Before Hashem, you shall purify yourselves. Lifnei Hashem, before Hashem, can mean in front of Hashem, or can mean before, like previous to. If you think about Hashem as a process of the infinite creating worlds, so we're talking about a level that's before that process. Lamailem Havaya, higher than the framework for creation. Vegaben Negele Purim Yudua, it's also known about Purim, that Tamshele Niska Shem Havaya Bechol Megillus Esther, the reason why Hashem is not mentioned in the entire book, because Purim is a revelation of Hashem's essence, which is higher than his name, can't be contained by his name. So, two commonalities between Purim and Yem Kippurim. First commonality is that they both feature a, a lottery. Second commonality is that they both higher than Havaya. Okay. Ubira Shaykhis, Now let's explain the common factor between those two common factors. Both of them have a lottery and both of them are higher than Shemavaya. We can begin to understand this by explaining the concept that a lottery transcends intellect. A lottery transcends intellect. Let's talk about decision making. Decision making. You make a pros and cons list and you make an educated choice. That's seichel. A lottery means eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? You are setting aside your seichel. You're not choosing based on any logical reason. <coughs> so that's called higher than seichel. I could attempt to answer the question. That's a very legitimate question. Why is it higher? I know it's not Seichel, but maybe it's lower than Seichel. That's a great question. I'm going to defer answering that question because I think that's really going to be the main idea that we're going to encounter. That, Well, I'll give you a little teaser. When I'm not choosing, 
Ah, you got it. Hashem is choosing. Even when I am choosing. <laughs> That's another thing. That's another thing. There's nothing truly random. So I guess the atheist or the materialist would say, if you choose by lottery, then it's lower than seichel because it's random. It's chance. We're saying, no, no, no. We're stepping out of the way and allowing Hashem to choose. Okay, but I don't, we're going to explain all this. Okay, let's just continue. A lottery in general, the technical concept is to choose between two equal things. Two equal, this is an important concept here. Two equal things. For instance, the two goats on Yom Kippur, they needed to be identical in appearance, size, and value. That's a halacha. It says it in the Mishnah and Yuma. It's brought in the Rabbam. In Hilchas Avedis Yemekipurim. That the two goats have to be, for all practical purposes, identical. If there are two things and they each have separate, distinct virtues, then that's not random selection. That's choosing it based on those virtues. You don't tell me that, you know... Um, I need to go. I need a car. Well, what do you need it for? Carpool or uh, or drag racing? You know, because if if it's for a carpool, I'm going to take uh, the twelve passenger van and not the Corvette. If it's for uh, racing, I'm going to use the Corvette. That's not random. That's you're choosing it based on its specific, unique virtues that make it a better choice. So to have something be really random, it has to be, they're equally worthy choices. And the only, the only factor that's really, the only factor that leads this to be the chosen one and that not to be, is, is the randomness of the choice. There's no factor in either of the two possibilities that's compelling the outcome. The kasher echad mehem hu if one would be better than the other, ein makim legeirol, then really there's no, there's no purpose of a lottery. Then you just choose based on the qualities that each one has and which one is more advantageous for the particular context. It's only when you have two things that are identical, and it really makes no difference which one you pick. Your intellect isn't even helpful in this case, because there's no pros and cons list. They have the same pros and cons. So then you revert to lottery, which, in that case, it makes sense that you're using a lottery. In other words, if you're, if you're dealing with two choices that are distinct, then use your brain and figure out which of the two choices is a better choice. But when there's really nothing different about the two choices, how are you going to choose? 
Oh, a lottery in that case. Valderech zehula And there's a similar concept in the spiritual realms. Degedul hula maile The idea of lottery is the idea of being above hishtalshelus. Hishtalshelus is from or related to the word shalshelus, which is a chain. Hishtalshelus is the chain-like process of world building. It is how the infinite creator manifests in a in a manifest himself in, a, in an increasingly concealed manner, which we call oilamais worlds, oilam melosh and helam. The word world oilam is helam, ayin lamed mem, etymologically means concealment. Each layer is another compounding layer of concealment until finally you get a physical world that appears de- independent from the creator. So hishtalshlis is that process of world building, of compounding concealments. Also, when we were talking about shem havaya, yudke vavke, corresponding to the four worlds and being the framework for reality, that's seder hishtalshlis. It's also called seder hishtalshlis, the order of chain-like devolvement of planes of existence. So we're saying that Gödel, the concept of lottery, transcends Seydrishtalshlis. Because in Seydrishtalshlis, you look at qualities and make intelligent choices based on comparing and contrasting those qualities. But when we talk about above Hishtalshlis, which we're about to explain, then in the from the perspective of, of infinity, it's all the same. So how do you choose? It's eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, let's let's keep going here. The chokma Chokma, the sphere of chokma, is the beginning of ishtalshlus. Chokma is the initial first sphere. It's also in Koiches HaNefesh, in the soul powers, it's the highest as well, because the soul powers are a reflection of the Eser Sphirois, of the ten emanations. I said, it's the first in Ishtalshlis, and I mentioned parenthetically, it's also the first of the Eser Koiches, because the Eser Koiches, the ten soul powers, are a reflection of the Eser Sphirois, the ten emanations. In other words, it's the same configuration, whether you're talking about the way Hashem relates to the world or you're talking about the um, building blocks of the soul, because one is made in the image of the other. So remember when we learned Tanya, we learned chapter 3? It says in the beginning of chapter 3 that the ten soul powers are derived from the ten spheroids. So it's the same configuration, same Chochmah, Bina, Das, the same names, the same relationships. Right now we're talking about the way it is above, meaning as it is within Hashem. Well, it's interesting you talk about Kesser, yeah, the crown, which is above Chochmah even, uh, because that's why we said Chochmah is Reishis, Heishtalshlis. Chochmah is the beginning of the system. Kesser is the crown, it's on top of the system. Malchus is the culmination of the system. 
is the end. But every system in every... And you're correct, as you learned in Tanya, yes, that every system gives birth to another system, and Malchus of one world becomes Kasser of the next. Right. That is correct. You remember incorrectly from Tanya. Okay. Yes. Okay. So a lottery transcends Chachma, so it transcends Hishtalshlis. What it means it transcends Chachma? Chachma means Seichel, means intellect. But if you're not using the intellect, you're, using, you're deferring to, you're allowing the lottery to choose instead of your Seichel to choose. So that means it's something that transcends intellect. Now, based on this, we can understand the common factor of Purim and Yim Kippur. In other words, I know two symptoms. I want to know the core. Two symptoms are that they both have lotteries and they both, ha they both are considered higher than Shem Hashem. But both of those symptoms are indicative of something even more essential. They both have a lottery. It really means that both Purim and Yom Kippur are about a revelation of godliness that is above the framework, above the system. And that's why you get the lottery, because a lottery circumvents or transcends the system. The highest level of the system is Seichel, and the lottery circumvents Seichel. So it circumvents the system. And what's the system? Shema Vaya, Yudke Vavke. That is the description of the whole framework of reality. So this is going above the framework of reality. So now we understand the connection between these two factors. They're both, they both have a lottery and they're both above Shem Avaya. Ki Avaya hu ishtauchlis, because Avaya is the framework of reality. Yud, Chochma, Hey, Bina, Vachulu. Yud Kevavke, the four letters, the Yud is Chochma, the little point. Like Chochma is a tiny little point, a little kernel of thought that becomes expanded. And then the Hey is the Bina, is the womb, is the feminine sector that expands that and develops it. And then Vav are the six emotions, and then the lower hay is Malchus. But the point is, if we're going above Chochma, that means we're going above Shem Havaya. And this, that both Purim and Yim Kippur are above Hashem's name of Havaya. It means that what's being revealed on those days is something that's higher than the framework of reality, which is synonymous with the whole concept of lottery. So lottery is the word that encapsulates this entire notion. What's being revealed on that day? Every day has an energy. A yamtif, which we call a special day, has a special energy. Every year when we come around to that Yom Tov, that energy is revealed again. And in fact, it's revealed in a more intense way than ever before. It doesn't wane, it actually builds. Every year there's a new light. When we have Purim 5784, it's more Purim than it ever was before. Not only we can tap into it, but 
Can we be inspired by a Yom Tif and then carry it into the rest of the year? Yes, but it would be by taking it from that Yom Tif. In other words, I'll put it like this. If we prepare properly for Purim, do you have any suggestions how we might prepare properly for Purim? We should get our Shalach Manas picked out already? That's Febreng. You already had it to the Febreng, yeah. But I'm saying... We're preparing. This is called preparing, right. We're learning this mimer. So we're going to learn this mimer. When Purim comes, we're going to actually have an inkling about what the spiritual energy is on that day. And then we'll be able to tap into it. We'll be able to take it into the rest of the year. So how did, how did we do that? What did, what did the Alter Rebbe do after Yantif? Right? After Sukkot, he wanted us to take the energy... Okay, so you want to know what what to what to do with Purim after Purim, but we, we didn't we didn't well we're not there yet. I mean that's yes you're right that's where this is heading. Okay, so l- let's just sum this up. Okay, so Purim means lottery. Our question is why we named the whole Yomtev after <laughs> Haman's attempted instrument of destruction, and we said you know what Purim must be a pretty big deal. I don't know what it means, but whatever it is, it's a big deal. That was chapter one. Chapter 1 ended with me, all I knew was poor must be a big deal, but I don't know why. Chapter 2 says, okay, let's get into it. Purim, lottery, is a feature of both Purim and Yem Kippurim. And what it represents in both cases is the idea of something that's higher than the regular framework of reality, which is why they're both considered above the name Hashem. Regarding Purim, regarding Yom Kippur, it says that we purify ourselves lifnei Hashem, meaning higher than the name Hashem, which is how atonement works, by the way, because within the framework of reality, how do you think you're getting off the hook? Within the framework of reality, you're going to have to pay your debt. You can't get off the hook. The only way to get off the hook is to go above the framework of reality. So, but we'll, that's another discussion. Okay. And Purim is above the name Hashem. How is Purim above the name Hashem? Where... Go look, in the, go look in the Megillah. You're not going to find Hashem's name. It's a Sefer of Tanakh, and you're not going to find Hashem's name. You know why? Not because it's a secular book, God forbid, because Purim is a story about Hashem, as Hashem cannot be contained in even His highest name. Purim is a story about Hashem, as Hashem cannot be even contained by His highest name. That's why... Yeah, but it's the highest level. No name. It can't be contained by a name. But what's the revelation? What's the revelation? How is Hashem interfacing? The, the miracles of Purim, which are the miracles of how Hashem is running the world at all times uh, in ways that are even greater than overt miracles. Are they greater than the other miracles? Yeah, well, that's a great question. How are hidden miracles greater than overt miracles? But what we're saying is that the overt miracles can be described by different godly names. The hidden miracles means Hashem is showing up in ways that cannot even be contained by His holy names. It's higher than the framework. That it almost seems like He's not there. It almost seems like He's not there, yeah. And yet, not only He's there, but He is the whole story. And that even in the instrument of destruction, or the attempted instrument of destruction, he's working the whole thing. It's all him. So are we in that now? We're always in it. So are we in it? Okay, so 
Purim is lottery. Yom Kippur is lottery. Lottery means something that allows me to go higher than the regular framework. And when there's a day like Purim or Yom Kippur, I experience Hashem's relationship with me and with the world that is higher than intellect, even higher than Hashem's intellect. It's a much more peaceful place to be than being busy with Seichel and trying to figure this thing called life yeah, out. Correct. I agree. But it takes a lot of Seichel to learn a mimer like this to, to help you reach the conclusion that we need to set aside the Seichel. Right. And you could just tell somebody, stop thinking so much and it's not helpful. But you learn a mimer until you're, you're emotionally and mentally like exhausted, not in a bad way, but more like, wow, this is, I reached my capacity. And then you could actually say, oh, I graduated. Difference between surrender and giving up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or surrender and resignation. Right. It's not defeat. It's not resignation. It's Wow, I reached the capacity. This is as far as intellect will take me. And there's much more, and that's great, and I'm surrendering to it. Okay, so you got the basic concepts? We're in a good resting spot? Good? We're safe? We're like, we can walk away? No, we can't. Okay, let's tie up. Okay, so in the next 90 seconds, let's tie up any loose ends and, and no, let everyone... Oh, I can't help you with that. <laughs> That's uh, then you're on your own. That's on you. That's on you. That's on you. That's on you.